Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. Remember again that we've progressed on to verses 2 through 4, and uh, we're still looking at basically verse 2. And uh, what I want to do today is, um, I was thinking about some of the comments I made last week, and I wanted to substantiate some of those things. And so what I'd like to do um, is look at uh, some scriptures that actually talk about the fact that God actually knows what's in our heart. Um, because I think we take that for granted sometimes, and we think, where is that in the Bible? And uh, sometimes, you know, you, you try looking for things, and you don't know how to look for things, uh, because they're, they're not so simply put. Uh, so what I'd like to do today is begin, first of all, by reading James chapter 1, verse 2. Remember again, the Apostle James is writing, this is straight after his uh, introduction, uh, the one-word introductions of greetings, <laughs> okay? He goes straight into my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You know, this wouldn't be the way I start a letter, uh, <laughs> you know? But this is James. He just gets straight to the point, doesn't beat around the bush. And uh, last time we looked at the fact that the word various translates to mean varied, diverse, and many-colored. And remember again that John MacArthur explained that James' point is that trials, the trials we encounter will come in many shapes, shades, and degrees. It is not that every uh, individual Christian will suffer every kind or degree of trouble, but that Christians in general are often subject to troubles of every kind from every possible source. Whatever their nature or severity, these various trials are meant to test a believer's faith. Now, I said to you before, it's important to remember uh, at this time that God is not the one who tests us. Because Scripture tells us that He already knows what's in our heart. And I want to look at some Scriptures regarding that today. First Chronicles chapter 28. Let's begin there. First Chronicles chapter 28. I'm going to look at the latter half of verse 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, I go through different translations because there are different shades of meaning. Um, and some things are just clearly put in certain translations. I'm not married to any one translation. And I don't think you should be either. The only thing you should be married to is the original text. <laughs> okay? And, uh, you know, people are people. You know, in, in translating things, I have found this to be a truth that, you know, based on their doctrine, their core beliefs, regardless of how well they know a language, they will translate something to suit themselves, so to speak, you know, to, to suit their belief. Can I say that? Yeah. All right? And so that's the reason why it's, it's difficult. And, and there are shades of meaning. See, the, the original texts are, are so rich in what they say. Sometimes we don't have the words or the tenses to actually uh, um, translate them properly. So that's why I always say, please don't make you know, uh, doctrines out of English versions. If you want to make a doctrine, go back to the original text, <laughs> okay? And uh, you have a good chance of getting it right at least. So, having said all of that, in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9, I'm reading from the New Living Translation for all of these, in fact, because it was the, it was the very best translation for all of these verses. It says, Therefore the Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every plan and thought. Can I read that again? Notice it says, for the Lord sees every heart. I really need you to get a hold of that to begin with. See, people think that God's testing us and trying us because He doesn't know what's going on on the inside of us. And this verse clearly tells us that God sees our heart. He literally sees what's on the inside. 
Amen? Now, if you see something, why do you need to do something to, to, to prove that that's, you know, if, if I was wondering what color something was and somebody turned over, you know, turned over a card and said, this is the color, I'm not going to try to test to see if that's the color. I already know the color. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And I want you to notice also, he says, for the Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every plan and thought. Now, that's really significant. He doesn't only see your heart, but he actually knows. I want you to notice it says that he understands and knows every plan and every thought. So everything that you plan, everything that you think, he actually knows what's behind it. <laughs> Isn't it interesting when it's inconvenient for, you know, I, I think it's incredible the way people believe things on one hand and then they don't believe it on, another, on the other side. On one side, they will totally agree with everything that I'm saying. And then when it comes to trials, they'll say something else. Listen, you know, we can't be double-minded about this. In fact, James is going to talk about that <laughs> straight after this, all right, once we get to verse 5. But you need to understand something that, you know, God knows. If God knows, then He doesn't need to try us. And what happens is so much of the time we misunderstand what God has done on the inside of us. And I'm going to share with you that today, all right. And think that because there is something in there that is put in there, that He's the one trying to bring it out. But I'm going to clear all, clear all that up today, okay? All right, follow me. And let me just get through this first. Okay, added to this, there's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10. I could minister on that verse in Chronicles for a long time, by the way, because there's so much in there. And you need to understand that you need to be aware that when you plan to do something, when you are doing something, God actually knows what your intention for doing it is. He is not going to be fooled by what you do. You know, some people say, well, I'll do this, and then God will go, oh, look at that. They're so good, and on the inside, you're thinking something else. Guess what? God saw your heart more than what you did. <laughs> okay? That's what the Apostle Paul actually at one point says, and I wish I had the scripture reference, says, bless them for their good intentions. Now, how can God bless us for our good intentions if he can't see and know what our intentions are? Amen? All right, back, back to this. Added to this, there's Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10. Again, from the New Living Translation, it says that I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. In, in short, it tells us that not only does he see into our motives, but he also sees what's buried. You know, sometimes there are things that we do and we, we have a certain motive, but we don't know where it came from. You know how some people have certain fears? And you kind of don't know where it came. You know, I don't, I don't bring anything up because I don't have to apologize. Um, you know, just let me think about my... No, I can't. All right, so... <laughs> you know those irrational things. Something that's a bit off, you know, <laughs> okay? And you kind of don't know where... But do you know something? God actually can see beyond what you even know about yourself. Now, why am I saying all of that? It's because it totally contradicts the doctrine that God tries you. Are you all with me? Psalm 139, verse 1. You know, I always say this. You have to read the Bible in light of everything that it says. Not just the doctrine you want to make out of it. Because you have a problem. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I could go there, but I won't. All right. Psalm 139, and verse 1. Again, from the New Living Translation, it says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know everything about me. 
See, unlike people that only see what you show them, <laughs> okay, what you want to let them know about yourself, I want you to understand something that God sees everything about you and He knows everything about you. Hallelujah. Now, family, I want you to embrace that, okay, because you need to understand that you never have to prove yourself to God. See, this, okay, let me deal with something now very quickly. A lot of times God will ask us to do something, and it may be a little bit difficult. That isn't God trying to test us. You need to look at it from the other side. Can I give you a different view on that? If God asks you to do something, it's because He knows everything about you, and He knows you can do this. Problem is, you might not. <laughs> Okay? And, you know, he's rooting for you. He's going, I know, you know, he's got the little flag and everything with your name on it. And he's there on his throne waving the flag going, go, go, go. I, I don't know what name. Verity, okay? Go, Verity, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right? You know, I know it sounds silly, but I need you to get this. How many of us parents, you know, when our kids are running in a race or something, oh, we don't care about whoever hears. We might not want to raise our hands in church, but dear God, when we're out on the field, we want to raise everything. <laughs> I'm just telling you, isn't that interesting? You know, I need you to understand that God is your father. He's your daddy. He loves you. He knows everything about you. And when you're out there, and when he asks you to do something, family, I really need you to see this. I don't want you to think about it in terms of, oh, God, I don't know. Man, you should go, really? You're asking me to do that? Which means, because you know everything about me, which means I can't do that. That's the attitude we take. And then we go out there with the knowledge that he is going to back us up. Are you all with me? If you don't, <laughs> you better know he's going to back you up. Don't ever go out there and say, I'm going to try something. You go out there and you do. James never says the trier of the word is blessed. <laughs> okay? It's, he, say, he was going to say, and we're going to get to those verses. He says the doer of the word is blessed. You are blessed in your doing. And if we get away from this victim mentality, if we get away from this, oh, God's testing me and trying me, and finally get on to the way we're meant to be thinking as kings and priests, as world overcomers, as more than conquerors, God says, you're up. You know when, <laughs> I just got this picture, you know when, <laughs> when there's a team and you're, you're on the bench, and I mean, you know, the, the other side is, is really tough and everything else, and the coach says, okay, you go in. Wouldn't it be funny if the person on the bench goes, oh, please don't test me and try me right now. I'm happy sitting on the bench. Say, the reason the coach is asking you to go in there is because he knows they need you now. You're the one that's going to win this for them. And so when he says go, he wants you to get up and go, yeah, let's get him. No, dear God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. <laughs> okay? You know, we're going to take you off the team. <laughs> you just don't have the right attitude which is what happens to a lot of Christians. Many are called, but few are chosen. That's what it means. It's talking about people that have a calling on their life, but won't step up. That's why it says many are called. It's a calling. Amen? All right, anyway, back to this. And it is because this was a known fact that it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, I really love this, and they prayed and said, you, O oh Lord, who know the hearts of all, 
Did you see that? It says, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all. So we may not know, but you know. Get it? He says, show which of these you have chosen. This was to replace Judas, by the way, okay? But I want you to see the fact that they knew without a doubt that God knew what was in the heart of man. Amen? So I've said here, therefore, it is evident that God definitely knows the hearts of all, which must mean that all the tests that come our way are from the devil because he has no idea what's going on on the inside of you. And the only way he can find out is to, is to throw something at you and see how you react to it. See, <laughs> I gave you an example last week. I'm not going to go back into it today. But I need you to understand, he's the blind one. God can see everything. Now, and it's only because it was a known fact that God wasn't behind all these things that the Apostle Paul actually said to Timothy, remember in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, he says to fight the good fight of faith. See, family, can I just say this as well? If you think God is trying you, then you should not fight him. And, God, and the, the Apostle Paul should never say to fight this fight of faith. But he says there is a fight of faith. Remember, this, this is the trying of your what? Your faith. We're going to see that in the next verse as well. That it's going to produce something. Okay? And that's, that's the genius of God. And I want to get to that in just a minute. And we are to do this knowing that God is on our side. Now, you might say, where is that scripture? That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Listen, family, this is how you approach a fight. You need to know that God is on your side. You're not going in on this alone. He knows your heart. He's on your side. So when we go out on that field, when we are called to battle, we go in there not shaking, shivering, and scared. We go in there ready to take the enemy down. Amen. And whatever needs to be done, needs to be done. You know, we, we can't go on our feelings, family. That's one of the things that we need to be really careful about. You know, some people say, well, I don't feel God. It doesn't matter. He's still there. <laughs> okay? Some people wake up and say, I don't feel married. You better not tell that to your wife. <laughs> oh, she'll remind you, you are. We don't care how you feel today. See the ring? See the bat? No. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm, okay. Come on, man. You know, I'm just I'm giving you a natural example to illustrate a spiritual truth. Amen? Just because we don't feel something doesn't mean it's not true. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God said, I am on your side. Hallelujah. All right. Let's move on. I've said here, so much more could be said here. But for now, notice how James doesn't distinguish between internal and external trials. This is where I left you last time. And let me just get back to this. The reason being that very often, what may begin as something external, such as a financial problem or a physical illness, ends up becoming an internal trial with the person becoming fearful, disappointed, or even depressed. In fact, in his commentary, Douglas J. Moore writes, he says, he actually shows how the one invariably leads to the other by saying that James 2.67 makes pretty clear that religious persecution was one of the causes of poverty believers were experiencing. We can imagine a situation in which wealthy Jews found the reader's commitment to Jesus as Messiah perverse and therefore harassed them in various ways. Now I want you to notice that this harassment isn't coming from God. This harassment is actually coming because of their belief in God. Did you get that? So how can we ever say that this is a trial sent by God? 
Amen. Moving on. He says, by stressing that the trials were of many kinds, James deliberately casts his net widely, including the many kinds of suffering that Christians undergo in this fallen world. Did you hear the words fallen world? We are not living in a world that God is in control of. I know people like to say that to absolve themselves of doing anything about what's going on. By the way, pause for effect. <laughs> okay? Listen, man, you have a duty. You have a responsibility. That's why it says for you to pray. Do you know that the Bible would never ask us to pray if God was in control? Why bother? He's in control. Don't bother praying. You might even actually get in his way. Have you heard some of the prayers people pray? <laughs> if I was God, if I was in control, I'd say, don't pray, dude. Just don't pray. Don't do me any favors. Just don't pray. And I'll get it all done quicker. <laughs> okay? But if, if the Bible asks and instructs us, and Jesus doesn't say if you pray, Jesus says when you pray. I mean, he expects us to pray. Do you hear me? It means that there is something about us, something that we need to do in order for God to do what he needs to do. Amen. All right. That's on a prayer series. We'll get to that some other time. All right, getting back to this. So uh, let me finish this quote. So again, James deliberately casts his net widely, including the many kinds of suffering that Christians undergo in this fallen world, sickness, loneliness, bereavement, disappointment. And as to why believers are to react to these trials, I really want to get to this verse, with such intense joy, regardless of all the other feelings they may be experiencing, is brought out partially in the next verse with the Apostle James going on to say, and this is in James 1.3, because it, this forms the whole thought. He says, knowing this. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this. Now, you, th this is the only way that you can count it all joy is if you know this. Now, the, the words knowing this in the Greek carries the idea of full understanding of something that is, mere, uh, that is beyond merely factual and that often comes from personal experience. So, in other words, James is not talking from some theoretical point. He is saying, I know this and you need to know this. Do you all understand? Okay. So, he's, he's telling us something that experience has taught him. That he, that he is saying, you know, that, that's the reason why we are to look to our parents. Because they've experienced things we haven't. And it's wise to listen to them, you know, especially the ones that love you. Okay, and I'm talking about the normal loving parent, okay? Listen to them, you don't know everything. <laughs> okay, now they don't know everything either, so forgive them if they're wrong sometimes. But they will do everything that they can to bless you. They will do everything they can to help you not get into the same problems that they did. To avoid situations that they can see a mile off and you can't right now because you have no experience. Do you understand? And James is saying, listen, I've got experience. I want to share this experience with you. Take me at my word. Do you all get this? So he's saying, you need to know this. I'm telling you something you need to know. And so he says, knowing this, that the trying, because they're not going to believe this, okay? He's going to say, listen, the trying or testing or proving the genuineness of your faith works or produces and develops patience. He's saying something happens when your faith is tried. Now, <laughs> I've got so much I want to share with you. Oh, really? I read out of time already. Give me another five minutes. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, sorry, can I have five? Okay, I can't stop here. I'm in the middle of something. Okay, <laughs> notice first of all, the entire reason for counting it all joy hinges on the first two words of verse three. And that is knowing this, meaning that if you don't know this, there's no way you can count, uh, you can count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Because you'll be looking more at the trials than actually what, you know, what's being produced on the inside of you. Are you getting this? See, what James is telling us is to take our eyes off what's on the outside and look at what's going on on the inside. Get this now. Because as much as the enemy is attacking us, something in you is beginning to develop. See, this is the genius of God. I, I, I want to say this now. I wanted to say this later. Can I, just, can I share this with you and we'll come back to it? I've said here, what's astounding and what most people don't understand is that God in his infinite wisdom designed us in such a way that every time the enemy attacked our faith, if we endured and fought back, it would not only go through a purification and refining process like that of silver or gold, but also a tempering process like that of steel. And rather than being destroyed, it would grow stronger and tougher than ever before and go on to produce and develop an additional quality called patience in our life. Now, let me explain all that to you, okay? This is <laughs> I've jumped a whole bunch of scriptures to get to that, and I'll give you something leading up to that. But I want you to understand something. A lot of people, what they don't understand is, you know, can we all agree that God's smart? Can, can I get an amen on that one at least? Okay, all right, okay. All right, if God is so smart, don't you think that he would do something just in case something attacked you? That there would be something on the... See, this is the genius of God, okay? That if something ever attacked you, not only would it regret attacking you, but you'd grow stronger for it. Boy, I think that's genius. I think that's, you know, I just take my hat off to God on that one. And because people misunderstand what happens, because something good comes out of it, they think that God does that to make that good come out. That he does bad things to you to cause that to come out. He put that there as a backup system. He put, you know, that's your, that's your alarm. You know what I'm trying to say? That's something that goes off when something wrong happens. It alerts you to something. It does something for you that's good. How many like to, have you all had somebody's alarm go off and you think, God, please turn it off. <laughs> now it's great, but we don't like to listen to it all day. Especially when they're on vacation. <laughs> Nobody turns it off. It just goes and goes. And you're up at night going, okay, there's the alarm again. Okay, <laughs> listen, I need you to understand something. That's the way patience and endurance is. You don't want to have to be using that all the time. You, you don't want to have to be enduring life. That needs to be something that comes out when there's trouble. Amen? And the interesting thing, see, this is the genius of God, okay? that it grows and it becomes more powerful every time you're attacked. But only if you understand that God's not behind it. If you think God is behind it, then you're going to roll over and say, oh, test me, God, just go for it. I'm just a pawn on the chessboard. I have not, you know what I'm trying to say? People just think we're just playthings for God. Like he doesn't have anything better to do with his time. to mess us around. You know, just go, Ooh, let's give him a trial. You know, I'm feeling a little bored today. Oh, Ruan, I'll give him a trial. Let's, <laughs> let's just throw something at him and just turn his world upside down. 
You know we jail people like that? Do y'all know that? We found a parent doing stuff like that and they wouldn't be looking after the kid any, you know, for much longer. And yet we have the audacity and the stupidity to say, oh, God does stuff like that to us. Hello? When Jesus himself, they said, teach us how to pray. And the first words that come out of his mouth are, our tester, our, tr- <laughs> our trier, our pain in the everywhere, is not what he says. I, w- I want to say that to, to, to get your attention on this. I, I need, really need you to get this. The first two words he says, our father. In saying that, he was, he was changing their mind on everything that they thought they knew about God. Because the Old Testament had no revelation of the devil. And they would blame God for everything. Which is why things sometimes in the, in the original text it never contradicts. But in the English translation it contradicts left, right and center. And people just can't, you know, they just can't manage that. And I say, listen, if that's where you are, let me just tell you, Hebrews tells us that we have a better covenant built on better promises. Amen. And there's something better for us now. Amen. Regardless of what all happened back then, we've got a new covenant. And we are now the children of God. We're no longer slaves and servants like they were. We are his children. And it says, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Boy, I tell you, it's all there for us now, isn't it? Hallelujah. But I want you to understand something. See, Romans 10.17 tells us this, and I, I know I've got to finish now, but let me just give you this very quickly. Romans 10.17 tells us faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come by trying. Did you hear me? People think, oh, you know, God's testing me and trying me to grow my faith. It never says your faith grows. It's saying your faith that is, faith that is tried develop something else. (laughs) It doesn't grow. Did you get this now? It doesn't grow. It develops something else. Something else comes. A branch comes from it called endurance. Ooh. And you have another quality in your life. Are you getting this? And it strengthens your faith in that way. But it isn't faith. It's endurance. If you blame God for things, you're not going to do what James actually goes on to say in James 4, 7. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. <coughs> Family, we're not to, we, do, we tend to do the opposite. We tend to submit to the devil and resist God and wonder why things aren't working. Listen, you submit to God and you resist the devil. Some people are so busy submitting to God, they think, listen, they think in their submission to God, God won't allow anything to come at them. I really love it that James has both of those things in the same sentence. He says, number one, submit to God and don't expect things to go well. (laughs) Okay? In the very next thing he says, and resist the devil because he will come at you. And notice when you resist him, he won't hang around. He will flee from you. It says in the original text, in, as in terror. Hallelujah. Okay, I've got to finish here. I want to finish with John 10.10. 10. 
I really had another, uh, yeah, okay, you need to come back next week, okay, <laughs> all right, <I> did, <laughs> because it, this, this just gets better and better as we go, but I want you to understand that Jesus himself said, the thief, somebody asked why we, we picked John 10.10 10 as our scripture for, to build this church, because Jesus identified everything that people thought the Old Testament had. Everything that they thought God was like in the Old Testament, he said, let me tell you something. It is the thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, it was I that came to give you life and life more abundantly. And Philip said, show us the Father. And he said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus said, every word that I speak, I don't speak unless the Father gives it to me to say. In other words, he's saying everything that you see and hear from me is a reflection of the Father's heart, His thoughts, and what He is really like. So regardless of what you have misunderstood about Him back then, know this is who your Father is like. This is what He is like. Amen? This is who He is. This is what He is like. Hallelujah. And I'm going to have to stop there. I was going to take you to Matthew 11, uh, 7, 11. Go and check that out. Jesus says, if you're being evil or, or you know, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, how much more will your Father give you good things to those who ask? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word, and we thank you, Father, for the blessing that you are in our life. And Father, we just thank you that as we receive this word into our heart, we are getting stronger. We are rising up on the inside. All the things that the enemy would come against us in the past and get away with, he won't anymore. We are seeing you for who you are, and we are seeing him for what he is. And there is a clear line between the two. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we just thank you, Father, that in the future, that we will be led by your Spirit, not by false doctrine, but by your Spirit, that we will stand, that we will fight that we will draw close to you, as James said, resist the devil and watch him flee from our lives and the lives of others. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen.